Well, good morning. Thank you to all of you for joining us. And if you are joining us online, we appreciate that. I am here with Joe Benbever, the CEO and founder of Joby Aviation, and Pam Fletcher, who is the Chief Sustainability Officer at Delta. And before we start, just a housekeeping, if you want to submit questions, we will take some questions at the end. You can do that in the Go app, or when we get to the end, you're welcome to line up at the microphones. It might be easier to submit them. It's totally up to you. Uh, they told me to tell you to go to the Go app and tap Engage. You can ask questions. We'd love to have some questions. So... Joe Ben, I think the best place is, I saw people taking pictures. I think you're the celebrity here. That's pretty exciting for me. But I think the best thing to do is to start by talking about Joby, which is building an electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. I think I got that right. There's a lot to unpack there. But can you start by just telling us what is this thing that you're making? I've seen photos and videos, but I'd love to hear directly from you what, what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it's great, great to be here. Wonderful to see all of you. And uh, this is a, a culmination of a lifelong dream. This is uh, something that I've, I've been uh, thinking about since I was a kid growing up amongst the redwoods on the Pacific coast. And uh, it was a, a way, a better way to get from uh, home to school and, and back again. A, a way that blended in with the environment. It's a key theme that we'll be talking about today is sustainability and sustainability with air transportation. But the, the goal is to build an aircraft which is dramatically quieter uh, than what's been possible before, but one that can also take off and land vertically, uh, that can over time uh, replace more and more of the trips that we take on the ground. And uh, so that that's the the inspiration and we've been uh working on this uh this is really fundamentally unlocked by electric propulsion and uh we can we can touch more on that but it, it's a it's a fundamental shift in uh our mode of transportation it's something we've many of us have been dreaming about uh for many many years and it's a a societal a dream and and the exciting piece is that it's uh coming true and it's coming true very very soon uh, there's many companies around the world that are developing these kinds of technologies, and we're incredibly pleased to be partnered with Delta, the world's leading global airline, uh, to bring this to to Delta customers uh, in in a very short period of time here. So, just to clarify, the thing we see on the screen right now is the aircraft. Do do you just what is it called? Like, is it the Joby? It, how, what do we call this thing? Uh, so this is. Uh, the our our internal name for it uh, was is was is the S four um, and it it carries a pilot and four passengers. Uh, again, it takes off and lands vertically. It can fly at uh, speeds of over two hundred miles an hour. And uh, but the the real key piece is the ex the d journeys that this unlocks and being able to effortlessly fly over traffic. Yeah, there's a reason I write about these things instead of naming them. The S4 is a much better name than I was trying to give it. But uh, Pam, I want to just turn to you for a second because you joined Delta a little over a year ago. Before that, you were at General Motors. It's very nice to be sitting up here with another Michigander. You understand how cold it was when I left home yesterday. Uh, I want to ask you why, like, what was it that motivated you to come to Delta? Because if you think about it, like, 
you've chosen basically the two most complicated industries that I can think of to decarbonize, right? Automotive and then airlines. It, but Delta has been doing a lot in this area. In fact, you guys have a, a video we're going to watch here real quick. And then I, I want to ask some questions because you guys have been doing a lot. So let, let's watch this video first. And I don't, I don't want to undersell the work that you had done at General Motors, you know, really the bolt and the volt are the reason that there's people understand that electric vehicles can be a thing that people will buy, right? And what was it about Delta that made you say, okay, you know, I got General Motors to pledge to electrify the entire fleet. Let's go do this to an airline. Like, talk about what drove you to want to be a part of Delta. Well, it took me a lot of years to figure out that I have a tendency to run to hard problems, but, um, you know, it's also very rewarding when you do that. The auto industry, I think, is in a great position now. Um, electrification has become the business model. We have more and more entries of vehicles that are out there, and I would um, argue that by the end of the year, it's going to be tremendously more than, than even you see uh, today. But when I, in speaking with Delta, number one, just um, the strength of the brand, the cult, the interior um, internal culture of the company is nothing short of amazing, where it is very people-focused, employee-focused. So those employees treat our customer with the best experiences that, that they deserve. And, you know, that's a great foundation to build anything off of. And it's just an opportunity. You know, now is the time. This is, um, there is some ambigu ambiguity to the ultimate solutions for long-haul aviation. However, um, now's the time. You know, we have created a, I could talk a little about our sustainability strategy if you want. Yeah, so three years ago, your, your boss, Ed Bastian, pledged that Delta would spend a billion dollars by 2030 to work towards becoming the first carbon net zero airline in the world, right? And so we're three years in. A lot has happened in the last three years, but I would love to hear specifically what are some of the things that Delta has been doing to move towards that goal over the last three years? Yeah, thanks for asking. So just let's talk about progress for a second because that's always the most motivating thing to me. So we have already implemented new products on board which allowed us to eliminate almost 5 million pounds of single-use plastics per year from our aircraft. We are electrifying our ground fleet. So when you're on, on the plane and you're looking out the window, we are starting to electrify uh, the equipment that it takes to, we call it turn the plane, from getting it to the gate, getting it serviced, and getting it back out of the gate. We're 25% there, and, but we have about two of our hubs that are um, at 100%, Boston and Salt Lake City. So if you go to those, to those locations, uh, take a look. In fact, we're getting ready to do some branding with them because you might not know they're electric, but they are. Um, and we have an internal organization called the Carbon Council, which is laser-focused on reducing our emissions from flying, which equates mostly to reducing our fuel consumption. And that's a cross-functional leadership group that has already saved over 10 million gallons from our operations last year. And we're going to do another 10 and another 10, compounding by 2035 into a billion gallons of fuel savings um, across our fleet. So lots of progress, um, lots of progress and focus to date. Now, uh, the two of you were at CES just back in January, and uh, we're on stage together talking about a very similar, basically the same kind of thing. And I want to kind of dive into the partnership. I did want to ask Pam first, another thing that Delta did at CES was sort of launch this Sustainable Skies Lab. Talk about that. 
Yeah, I'll go back to you mentioned the billion dollars before, and we are still solidly behind the billion dollar uh, commitment, and that was over a decade, so 2022 to, um, I guess, 2029 to be precise. Uh, so over the course of the decade, we're solidly there. That funds a lot of um, what I just described, but but even more. And we are really taking that to um, get laser focused on two pillars. One is to eliminate um, eliminate our climate impact from flying, and that's a big statement. The other to embed sustainability in everything we do, and we have so many opportunities to make progress now. And I'll go back to the Delta culture where it was really important that we have a strategy that every one of our 85,000 plus Delta people can see themselves in it and know that they have a voice and can play a role in making progress. When we think about eliminating our climate impact from flying, that's a hard problem. But I'm optimistic. I mean, we just, I've seen the journey before on electrification. I was part of the journey on autonomy. Um, I am very optimistic that we will get where we need to be. And the reason just last week we published our strategy is because I'm a big believer that you, you need to tell people what, what's important to you. You need to tell people what your intentions are. And so that's what we came out with. And so when we talk about eliminating our climate impact from flying, as an airline, Delta's not going to solve that alone. We need you know, powerful partnerships you know, with amazing leaders and disruptors. We need powerful coalitions because in some cases we have to bring an entire ecosystem together. And so that is how we're going to manage our way through um, eliminating our climate impact. So finally, getting to your question, the Delta Sustainable Skies Lab, which uh, Joe Ben and I were actually on stage at, at CES earlier this year, that is a, that is a place for uh, great ideas to get nurtured, fed, and hopefully someday scaled. And so the idea is, at Delta today, we have many projects, innovations happening across the company uh, that will improve our sustainability and continue to make progress. And so we want to showcase those. We just got to do it today, which is great, but we need to showcase that. And the reason we want to showcase it is, it will inspire people to come forward with the next great idea. It will inspire, hopefully, people external to, data, to Delta with great ideas to bring them forward. And if we agree that it's a great idea, let me tell you, Delta is, the, is your partner of choice because we bring to bear the best that we have. We bring together uh, not only our people and their know-how, our world-class operations, our world-class uh, tech ops, our world-class global uh, network. And so the lab is really a place to accelerate innovation on our sustainability journey. So you talked about a partnership. I want to dive into that because that's kind of the exciting part. And it's the part that will, uh, that consumers and travelers are going to experience in a couple of years. And Joe Ben, like talk about the partnership. Delta has invested $60 million into Joby. What does that do for your vision and for the company and, and for the S4? Yeah, thank you so much. And and this partnership with Delta, again, Delta being the world's leading global airline is is absolutely fantastic for Joby. Uh, the 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 capital is is valuable, but even more important is Delta's relationships and uh, Delta's customers. So the relationships with uh, the 
cities around the country and being able to develop infrastructure uh, which is really convenient. Uh, being able to uh, stitch our air taxi flights in and around cities uh, seamlessly with your Delta journey. And uh, that's, that's the piece uh, that is so exciting, being able to deliver this elevated customer experience to Del Delta customers, uh, integrating that into the workflow and uh, in, into the booking flow uh, when you're booking a Delta uh, ticket and, and having that uh, integrated with uh, the Joby app uh, when you're when you're fl uh, flying, your getting your taxi ticket. Okay, so you said two things that I want to unpack. There, you talked about the infrastructure, and then you talked about sort of the order flow or the experience of actually the customer journey experience. We'll get to that in a second. Talk about the infrastructure because, like, I fly into a lot of airports. They are I, I know that they make sense to someone, but they don't usually make sense to me. Um, and I I travel a lot, right? On Delta, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> We appreciate that very much. I fly much. to LaGuardia like every month. so uh, We built that new terminal just I love you. it. And the Sky Club <laughs> is amazing. And all of it. Yeah. If you could just build something to go from the 80s so I don't have to walk six miles to get... Anyway. Other problems. That, that, about me. That's, that's exactly what we're trying to do. There you go. So I'll get to that in a second. But I do want to talk about the infrastructure piece because that is obviously a thing that a company like Joby is not going to be able to go to LaGuardia or JFK and be like, hey, we want to land stuff here. That's cool, right? But with a partnership with a company like Delta, that obviously opens a lot of doors. So like, what are the challenges in the infrastructure that need to take place before people are going to... We'll talk about the FEA and the certification in a minute, but just the hard infrastructure. Like, What does this mean? It, that's exactly right. It's, it's about those uh, relationships with the Port Authority for LaGuardia and JFK, uh, with LAWA at, at LAX, uh, and with other uh, airport operators around the country and those relationships that Delta has and really going deep there and planning infrastructure which makes this new mode of transportation especially compelling. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, if, if I can just talk about infrastructure a bit. So um, airports are a complicated place. There's a lot of people that have a, a say in that. However, I would talk about um, over the course of just the last few years, we have invested another billion plus dollars, it's not the same billion I talked about before, to essentially rebuild uh, the terminal in LaGuardia. Um, we're doing the same at JFK. We have um, done the same at LAX. And we've already been public talking about New York and uh, Los Angeles being our initial target market. So we've already made a big infrastructure commitment there. And this is, so what a terrific foundation now to bring this new elevated experience that's going to be just game-changing for many of our customers. And as Joe Ben was saying, the idea is to get a completely seamless experience, seamless in the booking, seamless in the op operation, how you transition from your Delta flight to Joby or back and back. And that's all the work that we're doing together today. You know, I'll just highlight, Delta has a history of doing this. I don't know if Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with Clear that's in the airport. That was actually a startup, and, um, and, and Delta identified that and made a very early investment and got them into the airports. And I don't know about you all, but I use it every time I fly every airport that has it. But that's just an example of where partnerships can be, can be powerful and accelerate commercial opportunities. And, and I think that you know, Clear is a great example of something that can save customers' time delivering an elevated experience if, if you can get from uh, 
Manhattan to uh, to the terminal in in five minutes, that's an elevated experience. Uh, if you can do it at a price point which is uh, accessible, that's an elevated experience. And that's and, and we're and again, sustainability is at the core of all of this, uh, and it's it's a really exciting opportunity. So yeah, that's a let's talk about the kind of customer experience piece of it for a minute. I fly you know every flying to LaGuardia is great. I love flying to LaGuardia. It's, you know, going to Midtown, that's the problem from LaGuardia still. So, and that's at this point, still the traditional, you can take the bus to the subway. You can, you can take an Uber or a Lyft. You can have someone come and pick you up if you have some really good friends who are willing to do that for you. But now like this is another way that, that changes that, that equation. And, and you can, you can, you can take Joby. Well, is the goal that at some point, like I'll book my flight from, Grand Rapids, Michigan to LaGuardia, and I'll say, also, I'd like an air taxi. Like, that's the goal. How, how do we get to that? That's exactly the work we're doing together. We have multiple joint work streams. I mean, our teams work as one, and we're sorting through all of those details because the details matter. You know, you all expect a seamless experience. We want it to be seamless. We have a tremendous opportunity to solve for not only um, – a new mode of transportation, but something that makes the experience even better. And just to build on, on that a little bit, um, you know, I could list a whole host of examples of partnerships that we've done. And you know, as we go forward, you know, this is a demonstration where sustainability becomes part of the equation and frankly builds toward a better experience. And so that's how we see these things playing together, you know, ultimately over time. I used to I used to sell electric vehicles on the notion of that liquid acceleration, you know, no shifting, no engine revving, the kick in the pants you get when you first step on the accelerator. And Joe Ben and his team have, you know, performed a miracle with this um, very quiet uh, noise signature of uh, the S4 aircraft. And so all these things just play together and make an experience that some of us would never have, you know, dreamed of not that many years ago. And let me just touch on that a little bit. The, the kick in the pants that Pam just talked about, that's what makes it possible to build an aircraft that can take off and land vertically. The, the incredibly high uh, both specific power, that is power per unit of mass, and specific torque, which is the torque per unit of mass, are what make it possible to, uh, to build a, a vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. The, uh, the power is what's what's needed to take off, but the torque is what's needed in order to make it quiet. We spin our propellers at very low uh, tip speeds, which is what enables uh, that uh, that quiet acoustic signature. Uh, we're more than 100 times quieter than a helicopter, and it's also the character of the noise. Instead of the wop-wop of a helicopter that travels long distances the, through the atmosphere that penetrates buildings, and we find really annoying, it's uh, more of a, a white noise like the wind in the trees. And we think this is uh, pivotal to uh, having communities welcome our aircraft uh, in and and in order to, to site uh, takeoff and landing infrastructure where our customers want to go. Uh, so again, electric propulsion is the critical unlock uh, that's making uh, this transformation possible. It also makes it sustainable. So one of the things that both of you have sort of touched on that I think is actually really interesting and worth just kind of pulling on the thread for a minute is that this is both 
about sustainability. We should not discount that, but really it's like a, a better customer experience that's also sustainable. And it feels like that should be a very good business model, right? Like let's do things that are sustainable and also people like it, right? Uh, at this point though, the S4 is, you mentioned one pilot and four passengers. Um, I like, what are the challenges to making that scale, right? Because there are only so many you know, flight slots to do this kind of thing. I, will this be a thing that, that everybody will do? Is this going to be sort of like, uh, it's it's really just for people who might have taken a blade or something to JFK. I'm just curious, like how do you make this scale beyond just okay four people and a pilot? That's uh, a fantastic question. So, uh, and it's one of the areas uh, where the FAA is really leaning in is thinking about how how do we move. You know, so today uh, we are uh, we're piloted and it works within the existing air traffic control infrastructure. Uh, and that means that we can deploy uh, hundreds of these aircraft in a, in a given geography. But uh, what the FAA is working on, the FAA does both the, the regulation, the certification of the aircraft, but they're also responsible for air traffic control. And on the air traffic control side, they're doing a lot of innovative work to look at how do we increase the, the density of, of operations. And uh, they're, uh, the work they're, they're doing on that front is, is really leading the world into this, uh, into this next stage where uh, air travel becomes part of our daily lives. Okay. Part of our daily lives. Air travel is, for a lot of people, part of their daily life, maybe part of their regular life. It's not a foreign thing. Um, I think that the S4 is cool, but it is certainly not a part of anyone's daily life at this point. And part of the reason for that is that the process to build this takes time, but the process to get the FAA to say, yes, you can put people in, it takes a very long time. Uh, Joby recently announced that you have passed the second of, I think, five phases of this sort of certification process. I'm using all the wrong words. He's going to fix it in a second. But talk about that process, what you recently accomplished, and and just sort of the challenges. Because I think it's worth people knowing it's not easy to do this, and it shouldn't be easy because you're going to put humans inside of this thing, and it's going to go in the air and fly. Like that's It's a little bit higher stakes, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the things that I, I find especially exciting about air transportation is uh, – and, and one of the things that's driven its success is it's not only our uh, fastest and lowest cost mode of transportation, it's, it's also our safest mode of transportation. So it's like four orders of magnitude safer than driving per passenger mile. That's like 10,000 times safer. So it's really, really safe. And one of the elements that, that makes that possible is the, the focus on safety that both industry companies like Delta and the FAA have, have worked on over the last 100 years to, to deliver that safety. And that has, has resulted in a, in a very rigorous certification process. And there are a lot of new entrants who, uh, who feel like it's too onerous, but it's actually the foundation of the safety of our air traffic, our, our air transportation system. And uh, as you talked about, uh, we've been working with the FAA on certifying our aircraft since 2018. Uh, in 2020, we became the first company to re receive our uh, G1, which is basically the, an agreement with the FAA on the high-level rules that we're going to use to certify our aircraft. 
And then we've released, recently completed stage two, uh, which is all of the means of compliance. And we're making fantastic progress uh, on stage three, which is our area-specific certification plans. And then uh, stage four of the five stages is the testing. And we've begun the really rigorous testing work. Uh, and, and then uh, finally is the documentation of all of those test results, uh, where the FA signs off and says that we've done everything we need. There are two other pieces, aside from type certification, that are required. Uh, there's the production certification. So this is uh, certifying uh, that every step in our production process follows our quality control processes and standards. And then the, the last piece is uh, the operating certificate. And uh, so we've uh, applied for and now been granted our Part 135 operating certificate, which gives us the ability to, uh, to operate uh, our air taxis. And uh, so, and there's a couple other pieces. There's, there's the pilot uh, training, and then there's uh, the maintenance processes. All of those get wrapped up into uh, our, our safety system. And that's what delivers the uh, really incredible levels of safety is, is the rigor that goes into each and every uh, aspect of uh, both designing, building, and operating an airline. And in listening to you talk about that, I think a lot of times, just as a, I don't, I don't build, I write words, I don't build things. So I don't have a very good picture of like, I'm just like worried about my flight later so I can get home because my daughter has like high school soccer tryouts and I want to know how she did. Like, I can't think past that. We have four kids. But like Delta is thinking about 10 and 20 years down the road, you know, the goal is by what 2050 to be completely net zero for carbon emissions. Building airplanes takes a long time. Certifying them takes a long time. And I think the lesson that like I'm becoming more aware of is that the innovation is not an overnight thing, right? And, and in some cases when you're flying through the air, it shouldn't be, it takes a very long time. I guess for both of you, I'm curious, like, the goal is to have passengers be able to book and f use this service in 2025. Like that's not that far away, but it, I mean, again, I, I'm just thinking about this afternoon. Why are we talking about it now? Like, I'm just curious, like what, what are the, what are the messages that you want people to know now? Because no one can go home and book a Delta flight in a, in a Joby flight at the same time now. So like, talk to us about like why, what, why we want to talk about this two years in advance. This is a journey. And ultimately, we want to bring everyone along on the journey with us. And we're designing something all new. I mean, Joe Ben and his team have already designed the aircraft that you, see, that you see in the videos. It's flying. I've been out there and personally seen it fly, so a tremendous amount of work. And now we're inventing an all-new experience. And how do you really um, operationalize that? And so getting out to a multitude of audiences, diverse sets of audiences and people to talk about what we're doing, bring them along on the journey, frankly, get some input and feedback is very valuable because in the end, this is something that comes to not only individuals as uh, consumers, but it comes to communities, it comes to um, you know, regions that have to make decisions about infrastructure. It's a, it becomes part of the fabric of... Um, of where we live, you know, live, work, and uh, operate. So, so that's why we think it's important to get to get out there now and speak about it. And and as I talked about, the infrastructure is really critically important. So 
we have to engage with communities, as Pam, Pam talked about, and get communities to pull and say, we want a vertiport in our community. We want access to, uh, to an air taxi. And the more uh, takeoff and landing locations we have, the more convenient it becomes, the more savings that we can provide uh, to all of you. And so that is, is the real critical piece now as uh, this industry gets matured is, is to deliver that infrastructure so that uh, we can, uh, the, the ecosystem becomes especially compelling. So that's infrastructure at airports, which is why the partnership with Delta is so crucial, but it's also infrastructure uh, in, in your neighborhoods. You know, and there was one, one other piece of it that feels like maybe this is just obvious to me, but as uh, as cool as that thing is, it's going to take some time for people to feel comfortable getting into something that's totally new, right? I know a lot of people who probably would never get in a helicopter. You know, they'll fly in an airplane, but it's a totally different experience. And flying to the airport in the same way as getting into an SUV to drive to the airport is going to be a very foreign experience for people. And I wonder if you can just talk about that building awareness and normalizing because really the key to a lot of the plans for the future do involve normalizing these alternative things. You know, I just want to give an example for a second. Um, so back a few years ago, I became responsible for autonomous technology and vehicles. And it was at a much earlier stage at that point. And somebody described me in words, like how it worked. And I'm thinking, who would want that? But we geared up, we got everybody revved up to get through the technical unlocks, get through um, all the safety testing we needed to do, et cetera. But I want to tell you, the first time I was out with a team on a development ride, and I let go of that wheel, that steering wheel, all these things happen that you can't put in words. And um, I couldn't imagine ever not having it after that. And so just, it was kind of like trying to explain to people what it was like to drive an electric vehicle. They just couldn't get it. Everybody assumed it was going to be like a golf cart with, you know, some of the, the driver assistance systems that are out there today. People don't get it. But I'll tell you what happens. I, I remember distinctly um, going back to the work the first day after an extended vacation. And, you know, you got both hands on the wheel. I'm trying to go from 94 to 696 on the big interchange. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have super cruise. And you like let go of the wheel, your shoulders relax, you lean back, you're looking around, taking in the scenery, and it's like, this is how it should be. And so I just say that because um, it's all about the experience. And so the more exposure we can get people, I think they're going to be amazed at just how incredible it is to how they feel, what they do, what they're able to do with the time they now have that um, they may not have had before. Uh, that's exactly right. It's all about the experience, and it's not just the the uh, experience of saving time, taking a one-hour journey and turning into a five-minute flight, but it's also about the experience of that flight, the perspective that you have. And I think this is one of the pieces that, as an engineer or as somebody who's all about efficiency and saving time, underappreciated at the beginning of this journey, was how profound it is to be able to fly over our civilization and to see everything from the air. We are so locked into our 2D existence of driving along on roads and, and being confined by the traffic and the folks uh, that are sitting in front of us. But when you rise up above it 
and you get to see the beauty of the world, it's really profound. And it puts a new perspective on every day. And I think uh, that's one of the pieces that I'm coming to understand is, is uh, what a significant impact that's going to have on the quality of people's daily lives, is giving them, you know, on your commute to work in the morning, being able to see, uh, to see the world, to watch the sunrise from a new perspective. Uh, I think that's really profound and it's really exciting. You know, Pam, you said something and it made me chuckle a little bit. We have an electric vehicle. I, I fly Delta, but I don't have a GM electric vehicle. So I'm one for two. I'm sorry. You made a nice comment at the beginning. So I'll take it. Okay. But I will say I've driven a lot of electric vehicles and super cruise is by far the best. I will say like the, it's a good job. But part of that, I think, is honestly the the branding of it is so much better than companies that might tell you that their vehicles are full self-driving or whatever. I'm not naming any names. But obviously, nobody's car is full self-driving at this point. But Super Cruise is like cruise control, but better, right? You can take your hands off the wheel, and it'll keep you in your lane, and it'll do this kind of thing. And so I guess... The, the point I'm trying to make is that it's about expectations and how you set those expectations for people. And I wonder if, Joe Benny, if you can just talk about like how people should be thinking about this in terms of, you know, there was a question that, um, that was on here. It d- talked about like, do you see this as being just a thing people are going to take to the airport or that it might become a mainstream part of public transportation, not just from LA to LAX, but from, you know, uh, Chicago to you know, South Bend, Indiana for like, just to avoid, trust me, you don't want to drive on that road. So like, is that, is that where we're headed? That's exactly where we're headed. So, and that's, that's precisely the progression. So one of the reasons, uh, you know, that we are partnered with Delta and so excited about this is that those routes to the airport are uh, very heavily traveled. And there's a lot of people who are moving in both directions on those routes. And so as we launch the service, those, uh, are the routes that we can provide at the most compelling price points. Over time, as more and more ground infrastructure gets built out, as our network gets denser, we're able to uh, provide that service uh, to on more and more trips with uh, that have uh, lighter density because there's more a larger percentage of the people who are using the service, and so there's these really exciting network of network effects that allow us to, to scale over time. But initially, uh, we're, today we have a, a manufacturing facility that has capacity to build tens of aircraft per year. We uh, are working on uh, selecting a site to break ground on a facility to build hundreds per year. But in order for this to have really widespread impact and to have a significant number of people who are using it as a as a daily daily mode of transportation. We need millions of these aircraft, and so uh, there's a long progression, and it's going to take time to build from tens of aircraft per year to uh, millions of aircraft per year. If you think about it, uh, you know there's a hundred million cars um, uh, produced a year. That's a, a really significant number, and and if we're if we're going to replace a significant number of of car trips, that's the scale of challenge that that lies before us, and it's bigger than uh, aviation has ever been in terms of a volume perspective. Um, not in terms of passengers, faster miles traveled, because aviation. Uh, one of the exciting things about avi- aviation, because it's 
the safest, fastest, and lowest cost of motor transportation, demand for air travel has doubled every decade for 70 years. And uh, that trend shows no sign of, of abating. And we are, again, really excited about being able to bring the, the speed and um, the convenience of, of flight to people's daily lives. And I would just remind everybody, you know, where things start isn't where they end. And so we think we can create a great experience right at the beginning to serve a very, um, a very high demand need where people just don't want to deal with uh, repetitive trips to and from the airport in extremely congested areas. But as you can imagine, over time, that experience grows in terms of capability. You know, I see questions about range. So grow in terms of capability of the, the aircraft itself, in terms of uh, the experiences that can be offered, the accessibility to different communities. And so this is a, this is a journey, but it's going to start in a really exciting place. And you know, I don't know that our imaginations can even take us as far as, as this has the potential to go. Okay. Pam, I want to give you a chance because, I, okay, Delta's a big company, but $60 million is real money, even for a big company. I think I want to ask a question on behalf of our audience because I think there's a tendency to, to listen to this or to look at this type of thing and think, this is really cool. But is this just an effort for Delta to like say, see, we're doing sustainability things because that's the thing that every company has to say right now. But in the long term, maybe people will forget in six or seven years and we'll move on to something else. And, I, and I've, I've heard you talk about it. I've heard Delta talk about it. And I, I, like you're doing this stuff. But I want to give you the chance to explain to the audience, like this is not just a $60 million marketing thing to get some good, you know, sustainability vibes, right? Delta hired a chief sustainability officer to do this. So I want to give you that opportunity to kind of to, when we leave here, not to think, God, this is really cool, but it's never going to happen. Yeah. No, thanks for that. You characterized it well earlier. This is about an elevated customer experience, but also demonstrates that going forward, Delta puts sustainability in the consideration set. And so we, I would say, Delta and Joby, you know, we chose each other. We're not a partnership uh, of accident or, or convenience. We chose each other because of the potential for the elevated experience, you know, this noise signature that no one else has, um, and beyond. We have other partnerships to get at other parts of our, our business, and so we're demonstrating this over and over again. And so the list is long, but just to mention a few, you know, our primary business is long-haul flight, and that, that's not ultimately what um, this particular experience we're talking about with Joby is, but it's an important one. So we are out there partnering with Airbus on their Zero E program, which is looking at how do we get to hydrogen-powered flights. And why we really love that partnership is because it is looking beyond just the aircraft itself or the engines itself. It's looking at what has to happen in the airports, what has to happen in terms of um, fuel creation and transportation, and all of the things, I, I say all the things that must be true in order for it to be successful. And so that's something that, that we are doing. Um, we, have, we work with academics. So there's a phenomena out there, I'm not going to try to explain in detail, but a phenomena out there that uh, you know, many say contributes to global warming called contrails. 
And I don't want you to think that every white plume you see behind a plane is a contrail that's problematic. About Some claim about 10% of those are. And we're leaning in. I mean, there are uh, heated climate debates on it doesn't matter, doesn't it matter? But Delta's leaning in. We're working with the leading researchers at MIT. We've already flown, um, I believe, 100 or more test flights uh, with MIT to continue to refine the science. And that's one where we're, um, you know, again, we're not going to argue about the science. We're going to try to advance it. And let's, let's get the details sorted out. Let's understand the impact. And let's understand how we could mitigate that impact. And so two very broad examples of things we're doing in, and many in between. I mean, I could talk about our Lyft partnership, I could talk about our Starbucks partnership, I could talk about our Wheels Up partnership, I could talk about Someone Somewhere, which is an amazing company in Mexico that has elevated um, women and women-owned businesses in the small town in Mexico by providing these new amenity kits we have that, have, that alone take out um, 90,000 pounds of single-use plastics in our plane. So we have partnerships all over focused on the customer, the customer experience, and with sustainability in the consideration set. And so I wanted to just touch on on one piece that, that Pam mentioned, which is around uh, the, she, she mentioned hydrogen and the work they're, they're doing with Airbus there. Um, we, today our planes are battery electric and battery electric is the most efficient way uh, for, for short distance trips. Uh, but today, so call that, uh, our, our average trip might be a 25-mile trip. Our aircraft uh, has a range of roughly 100 miles. And the, uh, that's, that's off to today's batteries, which have a specific energy of, of about 300 watt-hours a kilogram. You compare that to jet fuel at about 12,000 watt-hours a kilogram uh, and hydrogen at 35,000 watt-hours a kilogram. So hydrogen has more than 100 times the specific energy of today's batteries. And you can make hydrogen from wind and solar, and they call that green hydrogen. If you take that hydrogen and you run it through a fuel cell, you generate electricity. We call that hydrogen electric. And so you can replace your battery with a, hydrogen, a liquid hydrogen tank plus a fuel cell, and you can generate electricity to, to propel electric motors, and you can deliver a sustainable and very efficient uh, mode of, of propelling aircraft. And uh, this has the potential to deliver both uh, medium and long haul flights in a sustainable way. And we think this is really exciting. But as we talked about before, aviation uh, and the development of, of new air aircraft takes, takes time. Those aircraft are then in production for decades, and then they're in service for decades more. And so it's imperative that, that companies in the aviation space like Delta are uh, forward investing and leaning into new technologies. And so uh, part of, of the, the partnership with Delta is, is about uh, leaning in on the next generation of, of aviation propulsion. So we got a lot of questions, and I want to make sure we get to some of them, and I see that we have some in the room. Uh, before we get to the ones in the room, I do want to ask uh, one of these, which I think is a fair question. Uh, Catherine asks, like, 
Will this just allow the 1% to leave the rest of us on the ground, stuck on crumbling trains and highways? And I think that like that's a fair question for people to ask. So It's a fantastic question, and it's core to our mission and what we care about at Joby, um, which is making sure that this is a new mode of transportation, which is broadly accessible. Um, and in order to do that, it's important for us to, to price it at a price point uh, where everyone thinks it's it's something that that they can access, and uh, so as we as we roll out the service, uh, uh, that's what what you can expect is in, is an accessible price point. And people, many people, uh, you know, are sound shocked are shocked by this. But one of the things that you can think about is when you take a uh, an Uber or a taxi, uh, the average speed might be uh, ten or twenty miles an hour. And so that driver, it takes that driver a long time to move you on a, on a given length trip. But when you're flying, a, a pilot's flying four passengers at 200 miles an hour, they're much more productive. And so, you know, with a taxi or, or an Uber your, or, an, or a Lyft, the, um, the, the percentage of the, the cost of the trip is dominated by the cost of the driver. So I want to make sure that we get some of the ones that are in the room. Would you tell us who you are and then make sure you tell us who the question's for and give us your question. Sure. So my name is Nishan Marks. I'm the director of advanced mobility at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport. So big fan of Delta and hopefully we're making your experience at all times in airports a little bit better. Um, With that, I've gotten to fly the Joby Simulator at Springfield, Ohio, um, where we do a lot of work around advanced air mobility with NASA and the National Campaign. One of the things, and it kind of goes to the question beforehand, a lot of what we talk about is, yes, I don't like driving. I cannot wait to be able to fly or be in an autonomous vehicle um, to be able to get to my flight faster. But I also, we talk a lot about getting to jobs. At the airport, we have over 15,000, 16,000 jobs, and we're always hiring more. So how can we get people maybe from GA airports out in rural communities into jobs? So my question, they're kind of two point, and I like that you're smiling. So um, one is, uh, how do you foresee a lot of that more access to jobs and those milk runs from maybe communities that don't have hot pockets for um, job opportunities or to be able to get to those uh, work beds? But then also, what about the role of GA airports? Since there are so many, especially in the Midwest, that are there being funded by the FAA, but not really put into use as much as they probably could. Yeah, I think both of those are, are fantastic questions. Uh, one of the pieces that is so exciting about this technology, because you're you're flying at 200 miles an hour, you it it spreads the the range. And there's this thing called Marchetti's constant. Uh, it was this Italian physicist who studied transportation, and what he found is that with each transportation revolution, it spread our accessible daily sphere of influence. And so it allows you to uh, have more opportunities. And so I think this is exactly what you're talking about is, is how do you take and connect these uh, rural communities to job centers? And, and so because of the higher, uh, the higher speed of our aircraft, just like as we moved from uh, walking and then to uh, biking and then to trams and then to cars. Every time we increase the speed of of our transportation, it, it provides us with uh, a, a larger sphere of influence that we're able to to access. And so we, we think that's uh, a fantastic opportunity. And then you mentioned all these GA airports. We think that as we add um, 
you know hundreds and then thousands of of new aircraft to uh, to our uh, communities that these air that these airports are going to be vital infrastructure for uh, servicing and uh, and operating these aircraft. Thank you. Uh, I want to ask this question that Antonio asked because I think this is a, a common concern that people have when they talk about electrical. And you've already talked about hydrogen, both of you, but I want to make sure that we address this. Antonio asks: In the USA, much of the electricity is generated through. Th thermal power plants, which burn coal. How do you see a sustainable future to supply electricity if, like, are we just transferring where the carbon is being emitted from one place to the other? Can I just say, that, that's not just an aviation question or a Joby question. I mean, right. that applies to so many um, industries and needs across across the world. So big, big question and an important one for sure, Antonio, that I think everybody is reliant on for the transition that we're all talking about. And, and I would just say that Joby has committed to sourcing 100% of electricity from renewable sources. And so we're, you know, when, when we're talking to a utility, we're saying, uh, how do you put this generation on? How do you put this wind and solar on uh, to ensure that uh, everything that we're using to charge our planes is coming from? Uh, and, and, and so this is a way in which we're, uh, we're driving the change that needs to happen. Great. We have another question in the room. Yes, my name is Deborah Yao, and I'm the editor of an artificial intelligence website called AIBusiness.com. And my question is, um, like, there, I have two questions, actually. One is practical. So you're saying that by 2025, you'll start flying um, these, this aircraft and be integrated with Delta. Uh, so just practicalities, can you give me a better sense of how much it would be, and also where you're going to land. Um, people still have to drive to these um, planes, so uh, how, where do you land? And the second part is what motivated you to start this air taxi business? Thank you. So uh, the goal is to launch at uh, similar prices to taxis. Uh, you can think of, uh, in, in the case of New York, uh, using one of the existing helipads around Manhattan and flying from there to uh, LaGuardia or JFK. Okay. And, and then in, in terms of, uh, you know, again, childhood inspiration, uh, worked on it uh, when I was in college. At that point in time, batteries weren't ready. We had batteries at uh, about 40 watt hours a kilogram, specific energy. Batteries have been improving for about 100 years at 6% a year. Here we are 30 years later, and we've got 300 watt hour kilogram batteries, which gives us the energy to deliver uh, meaningful, mean, meaningful trips for our customers in terms, of, in terms of range. Thank you. Thank you. Great. We have another, another question. Hi. Uh, my name is Andre. I'm a freshman at the University of Texas. I study aerospace and business. Um, my, I actually have two questions. One just came up after that previous question, but my first question is that is that as an engineer, like I think about things um, very ground level, and then I build up, right? Um, and so logistically, and I, I, I might be saying the quote wrong, but I think Elon said that designing a car or designing a rocket is easy, but bringing it to mass production is really, really hard, especially when you're dealing with like you have to make these Joby planes in bulk, right? So how do you hedge that and make sure that this technology actually realizes its full potential and doesn't just end up in the pile of discard like good ideas? And my second question is, jumping off from the previous one, is that 
Um, if it's similar price point to taxis in New York, I know when Uber was entering the New York market, they were fighting tooth and nail to against the taxi unions. How are you planning to disrupt that market and like make sure that they're not coming in like you know slashing your tires or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which seems like so, a really bad thing for an airplane, but yours take off and land vertically, so not as bad. I don't know. There we go. So uh, on 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 your first question, the the the, the key piece uh, is is really to, to touch on there would be our, our partnership with Toyota. Joby is a very vertically integrated company, and not only do we design it, but we also do all uh, much of the manufacturing. So we design almost all the components in the aircraft and we manufacture almost all the components in the aircraft and that you know if if any of you have an opportunity to come visit our our manufacturing facilities in California you'll get to see this firsthand where uh, we're building all these components as I mentioned our partnership with Toyota uh, Toyota's invested over 400 million dollars uh, they're one of the most uh, respected uh, automakers in the world for the quality of the of the uh, the cars they build, and they build at, at large quantities. And as we look to, to moving this into something that, that does have a really significant impact on, on people around the world and their, on, and their daily transportation, we need to build at scale. And so we're, we're taking the lessons, and even in our pilot plant where we're producing uh, tens per year, we're taking the, the, the lessons that Toyota has learned and has deployed with the Toyota production system to industries uh, around the world of, of, and learning from that efficiency. And that's being deployed today in our, in our pilot manufacturing facility and our technicians are getting more and more efficient with, by, uh, and it, while incre increasing the, the quality of, of the builds and we're very grateful for the partnership with Toyota on that front. Uh, and then on, on your second question, uh, the, you know, again, one of the reasons why we're here today is because it's really important to engage with the communities, with all the con constituencies. Um, we're not going to just drop this service and uh, and surprise folks. We're going to have those open dialogues and and that and those connections uh, right from the start. Great. Another Thanks question. So Another question. We have just a couple minutes left. Sure. Uh, I'm Josh Hersheimer. I'm uh, your neighbor in Porsche Consulting, right across the runway from uh, Pam and Delta. Um, leading aerospace and transportation, taking the Porsche operating system, so similar to Toyota production, but, and helping. My question is a little bit more theoretical, though. You've talked about the need for collaboration with the communities and getting that buy-in. How much do you balance innovation versus um, collaboration with your competitors, both from the EVE and the Archer of the world or the United and the Americans, because you're going to have to create a mass need and a mass understanding for a global adoption? Yeah, I, I think it's it's great that you that you bring up that there is a really um, a, a vital and growing ecosystem of, of many companies that are uh, incredibly excited about this new mode of transportation and what it's going to bring to uh, to people around the world. I think in order for uh, any of these. Uh, transformations in transportation to happen. And as we look back through, uh, you know, through the centuries, they've all come from an upwelling of where there's a convergence of technologies that it enables uh, something new. And that's what we're seeing today. Yeah. I, and Joe Ben's being a little bit bashful. You know, one of the reasons that we wanted to partner with Joby is we believe they will be first incredibly safe, 
and a great a great customer um, solution. And so, I mean, I saw this on electric vehicles. I mean, I can tell you all the stories about how what does the coupler look like it does, and on and on and on. But w- when you're in that position, you sometimes have to create things that are, you know, surround your product, but aren't directly your product because nobody else has it. And so making some of those decisions that are um, foundational to its operation and use, uh, you know, when you're in the early stages, you, you have to do that. Ultimately, as an industry forms, it's all about, I mean, you know this from the auto business, it's all about standards and protocols. And there's th- things where you need standards so that everybody can op- operate and you don't have to have duplicate investment. And then there's certain things you compete on. And I would just say that this is, um, that will come in time, but that time's not exactly right now. Thank you. We are basically out of time. I am super sorry, but they told us we had a very hard stop. And I wanted to make sure, maybe this will answer the question, uh, if, if people want to know more about what Joby is doing, where should they go? Like, what should they do? Like, how, I don't want to encourage them to just follow you down the streets of Austin. So I'm just wondering, where should we give them some... Well, first, I'm more than happy to take questions afterwards. Uh, and then second, uh, you can... Uh, Check our website. You can follow us on, on social media. Um, website is jobyaviation.com, right? Okay, just perfect. Clear. Thank you. And uh, again, uh, we're going to be engaging more and more with uh, the communities that we'll be launching in uh, over the, the the months to come. And we're just super grateful for for all the support, all the excitement, and we can't wait to uh, for for folks to have an opportunity to to fly. To have that really transformative experience of experience of of seeing the world from the air, uh, we think that uh, you know just as much as saving time that 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 experience is going to be something that people relish. Joe, Ben, Pam, thank you so much for taking the time and explaining this. I've learned a lot. I hopefully all of you have learned a lot. If you did, would you show them appreciation and thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>